Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. No retailer is going out there to confuse a customer. That's not what they are trying to do. They're saying that they are absorbing as many of these costs as they can and that making pack sizes smaller is one way that they can try to stop customers' supermarket bills rising quite so quickly. At its heart, the point of it is to measure how much prices have gone up by. It's basically like a data treasure chest. Sadly, we maybe would be better calling it a Pandora's box at the minute because the results that it's yielding are not very pretty. Today, we're returning to an issue I think very close to all of our hearts, and that's food inflation. Now, since the cost of living crisis took hold, we've seen prices rise across the board. But where are they at now? What's the branded product up by 130% year on year? And what are the supermarkets doing to help? We'll be covering this and so much more in today's show. And I'm pleased to say I'm joined by which senior money editor, Ellie Clark. Hi, Ellie. Hello. Lovely to have you on, Ellie. And I should say, we'll also be hearing from another Ellie, which senior research Ellie Simmons throughout today's show, who's been at the centre of our campaigning on food prices. But first, Ellie, can we start with the general picture? Now, for any of our listeners not familiar with our food inflation tracker, which is a giant piece of research we publish monthly, can you tell us what figures we delve into and what kind of insights we can gather? Yeah, absolutely. You are definitely right to call it giant. It's this revolutionary piece of research, which we launched back in March last year, and it tracks thousands of food prices every day across the UK's eight biggest supermarkets. So this month alone, we looked at 26,000 prices. It's just absolutely massive. At its heart, the point of it is to measure how much prices have gone up by, but we can cut the data in all sorts of different ways. So we can look at the differences between different supermarkets, between different food types, branded versus own brand. It's basically like a data treasure chest, although sadly, we maybe would be better calling it a Pandora's box at the minute because the results that it's yielding are not very pretty. Well, shall we dive into um, the figures for July's uh, Pandora's box, shall we say? Um, So we found food inflation year on year for the month of July was 13.8%. Now, this is dipped compared to June's figure, which was 15.4%. But this is still, of course, a big increase. And if we dive into what's behind this overall percentage, the scale of price hikes on some branded products in particular is astronomical, you know, really, really shocking. We're talking as much as 130% more. Oh, Ellie, what are the worst offenders and why are they going up by so much? 
Well, the bad news is the worst offenders right now are snacks. So um, biscuits, yogurts, cheese, chocolate crisps, all the yummy things have been seeing the biggest rises last month. So the very worst offender is Mr. Kipling. His chocolate slices at Tesco have gone up from £1.16 last year in the three months to the end of July, up to £2.66 in the same period this year, which is 129% more. Shocking. Yeah, it's crazy. And a similar story for Mr. Kipling Bakewell slices at Sainsbury's, which are up 99%. But Mr. Kipling isn't the only guy who's at it. There's other branded products Across all the supermarkets, really, there's Lancashire Farm Yogurt up 80% at Asda, Pilgrim's Choice Cheddar up 76% at Morrison's. It's not a pretty picture. And obviously, when it's a branded product, that price is being put up by the manufacturer. So that does show an increased cost that the supermarkets are having to absorb. But it is ultimately up to them whether they pass that on to consumers in full or a bit or not at all. And obviously, at the minute, we are seeing those prices going up for ourselves as shoppers. There's lots of factors at play in this. We all know costs are going up across the board in life. The Ukraine war has been a huge factor in that. It's pushed fuel, feed, fertilizer costs up. There's spiralling labour costs. There's been poor harvests in Europe, North Africa. Bird flu has meant we have fewer eggs. And then to top it all off, we've got a weaker pound right now in Britain, which means that it's costing us more to import food into the country. So given all of that, it's unsurprising, really, that the Bank of England is saying food prices are going to remain high for the foreseeable future. It's not looking great for branded products, but can we bring in supermarkets' own branded items into the mix now? So on average, they've actually gone up by a higher rate of inflation than the big brands, by a couple of percent. But a really important thing to note, and something we feel very strongly about at which, is that branded items tend to cost more overall. And often you'll have no choice but to buy them if you shop at the smaller, convenient supermarkets. And this is because there's a real lack of supermarket-owned brand products on offer at these local shops, and specifically the budget ranges in these stores. Ellie, can you talk a bit about why this is an issue we've been campaigning for at which? Yeah, absolutely. So we know convenience stores charge more for exactly the same products. That probably doesn't come as a surprise to most people. But actually, when you add up the costs over the course of a year, it does make a massive difference. So when we looked at Tesco Express, shopping there for a year compared to shopping at a normal Tesco supermarket would cost you £818 more over the course of the year. Oh, Ellie, don't say that. I mean, I'm so guilty. I'm so guilty of shopping at my Tesco Express just because it's two minutes down the road. Oh, that is terrible. £800. Oh. So we sent mystery shoppers out into supermarket branded convenience stores. We gave them a shopping list and we said, right, here are some healthy items. We want you to only buy them if you can get them from the supermarket's own brand budget range. And what they found is it's pretty much impossible if you want to buy from the budget range to shop in convenience stores. I think gosh, of the 35 stores they visited, only five of those stores had anything from the lists. And that was literally just one item from the shopping list in those five stores. The others had nothing in the budget ranges on healthy foods. And we know people on lower incomes are more likely to rely on convenience stores, which is why we think it's really actually quite urgent that supermarkets start stocking budget ranges in their convenience stores. Now, we have been campaigning on this for months and we are seeing some twinkles of light. In fact, we had a really exciting campaign win recently in that Morrison's has committed to stocking 40 budget range products in its convenience stores by September. 
Another bit of positive news is Tesco has pledged to start selling some cheaper items in Tesco Express stores. It's worth mentioning that from the examples that we've seen, they're not their sort of very cheapest options, but they are still cheaper than the big branded products that they've previously been stocking. So it is a really positive shift in the right direction. But unfortunately, the other supermarkets just continue to bury their heads in the sand on this. Well, it's good to hear that some supermarkets are starting to come on board, but there is undeniably a long way still to go. Now, while we're on prices, can we also bring in shrinkflation? So I'm talking about the items that have shrunk in size, but not in price. Well, let's hear more about it from senior researcher and writer at Witch, Ellie Simmons. So we found examples including Lurpak butter. So that's gone down from 250 grams to 200 grams. So that's 20% smaller. Pouches of Whiskers cat food gone down from 100 grams to 85 grams. That's a 15% difference. Penguin bars, you know, the small chocolate bars in a multi-pack and also club biscuits as well in a multi-pack. They've gone down from eight bars in a multi-pack to seven. And McVitie's digestive biscuits, they've gone down from 400 grams to 360 grams. That's 10% smaller. And we've got lots of other examples as well. Richmond meat-free sausages, Magnum's ice cream. That's a bit of a sad one to find you've got less ice cream. We put our findings to the brands and they all said similar things, to be honest, which was that, you know, these aren't decisions they take lightly. They're suffering with higher costs themselves of raw ingredients, production costs, transportation costs, staff costs. And they're saying that they are absorbing as many of these costs as they can and that making pack sizes smaller is one way that they can try to stop customers' supermarket bills rising quite so quickly. So many really well-known household items there. And with shrinkflation, generally these products are getting smaller, but presumably some prices are still going up too. You know, it all seems like quite a sneaky way of giving consumers less for their money. Ellie, is there any kind of regulation against it or are brands allowed to do this? Yeah, it does feel really sneaky, doesn't it? And it really gets shoppers' backs up. We're also hearing reports of something that people are calling skimpflation. And that's where manufacturers change the ingredients of a product to make it cheaper to make. So for example, you might have less mince in your lasagna or less olive oil in your olive oil spread. It's just really naughty and it feels really unfair and sneaky. And unfortunately for us as shoppers, both shrinkflation and skimpflation are completely legal. As long as the manufacturer doesn't do anything to kind of hide what they're up to, then it is allowed. And so ultimately, it's just up to us when we're in the shops to be vigilant. And if we notice something's changed and we're not happy, just vote with our feet. Well, they're not hiding the changes, but they're not really shouting about them either. Well, coming up, we'll be hearing more about how supermarkets are helping with rising prices, hearing from a former retail buyer at Asda and discussing another big campaign win for us here at Witch. All after this. What is happening to supermarket prices? Do own label brands taste good? What's the best supermarket? What's the worst? How do I spend less on my weekly shop? Are there ways I can shop smarter? Should I just be growing my own veg? How do I even grow veg? <sighs> Wine to pair with spag ball? When life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk.
Now, for today's episode, we've also been talking to Jed Futter. He worked as a senior buying manager for Asa for a decade, and we asked him what factors influence supermarket pricing decisions. If you think about Olympia on manufacturing or growing, literally everything has gone up. So whether it's the energy that you use, the packaging that you use, the products, the ingredients that make up that, the wages, the salaries that have, that have gone up, everything in a manufacturer or grower has gone up in the past 18 months. And they've gone up to levels that have not been seen before. And those levels have not come back down and they won't come back down to levels that we saw previously. So are high prices really here to stay or is there a chance they could come right down? We also put this question to Jed. We're still seeing prices going up in many different sectors. So whether that sector is orange juice at the moment, we've got a shortage worldwide for orange juice. At the same time, we also have the price of chocolate going up globally. So we've seen weather in crossing Europe. So in Europe, rather than the, the rain that we've had in the UK, we've had extreme heat. That then puts pressure and causes drought and means that actually that the crops are not as high. So it then means that when you're trying to get crops during the winter months, the prices will be higher. So we're not out of any kind of food inflation at all. So prices will never drop back to where they were two to three years ago. But don't forget, globally, the price that we pay as a percentage of our GDP in the UK is still one of the lowest. So we do pay a lower percent than most countries in Europe and indeed in the globe. So where prices are concerned, it's really not a very positive picture. And there's more need than ever for us to have our wits about us down the aisles and save where we can. So where shall we start then? Well, we've heard about sky high brand prices today. Should we ditch them for supermarket owned brands? Well, I've got an example here and it's always a very easy way to start a heated debate what are the best baked beans? You know, that one always gets people going. And Ellie, I know we've got a load of taste test results, including beans, and they do contain a few surprises, don't they? They do. And yeah, there's no greater joy in life, is there, than finding a cheap owned brand item that's actually better than the pricey branded one. And we love a taste test at which, and we've unearthed loads of great value products that are as good or better than the big brands, including good old baked beans. So I was really excited to see Asda's baked beans actually beat Heinz 77% to 71%. And the Heinz ones cost almost three times the price. So when we tested, as does beans for 50p. So that is my top tip of the day. We've also found little mayo is better than Hellman's. If you're going to squeeze in another barbecue or two before the summer's out, if we see any more sunshine, then I would head to Aldi or Lidl for your sausages, where their posh own range sausages both absolutely smashed the pricier brand Heck. Aldi and Lidl both scored 73%, whereas the Heck sausages only got 54%. And again, Aldi and Lidl's offerings are substantially cheaper. And then there's also Sainsbury's cream of tomato soup, Tesco's pasta sauce. There's all sorts of really decent own brand foods that you can get your hands on. You just have to look at the Witch website and see the taste test results to see which ones are the best ones to spend your money on. So there really are big savings to be had by giving cheaper options a go. Do try it. It's well worth it. And another point well worth making is on unit pricing. Now we've talked about it before on the show and now supermarkets are going to have to step up. So if we rewind a bit, can you remind us what unit pricing is and why it's so important? Yeah, absolutely. So it's basically the price per gram or per mil that you tend to see in small print on the price label. 
The only trouble is it's not always expressed in a consistent way. So, for example, it's sometimes done by unit and sometimes done by gram. So the other day I was doing my own Sainsbury's shopping on my app and I was comparing punnets of plums and um, one of the packs was listed by the price per plum and another one was the price per kilo. I'm not the most mathematical woman and I really could not work out what was the cheapest option. And we found Tesco club card prices don't even have unit prices on them at all. So you see this thing that's sort of billed as a special offer, but actually you have no idea how special it is, whether it is special at all. Although to be fair to Tesco, they have said they're going to change this. But right now it is a total nightmare and we've got the evidence to prove it. So we got a group of people together. We showed them a few different fizzy drinks. Some of them had unit pricing, some of them didn't, or some of it was just unclear. And we said, which of these is the cheapest option? And 72% of them just couldn't tell us. So it just proves that without unit pricing, we are a little bit blind a lot of the time when we're trying to compare products. And right now with the cost of living as it is, we really do need to be able to make those informed choices, which is why which keeps talking about unit pricing. I know it doesn't sound exciting, but it really is important. It's so important, isn't it? You know, we can't all be expected to be shopping down the aisle or, you know, at home on on the app or online and getting out a calculator to compare prices or in some cases, like with the plums, I mean, it's almost impossible for you to do that. You'd have to research the weight of a, a single plum, which is just beyond anything we'd ever do. But let's hear now more from Ellie Simmons. So she was instrumental in raising this issue. And here she explains what changes you can expect to see. Yeah, so it's been a really fantastic campaign win on this. The Competition and Markets Authority announced the findings of a review that it had been undertaking into this issue. And it announced that it had found problems with unit pricing across retailers and said supermarkets needed to improve this. The Competition and Markets Authority has also called on the government to reform legislation behind unit pricing. It said the legislation is often confusing and that's sometimes what's led to kind of problems on the shelves in supermarkets. And it's also written to retailers, which it has found not complying as well as they could be with the current legislation and asking them to improve or face enforcement action. And which now along with the CMA, wants supermarkets to act as soon as they can and not wait until the legislation is changed before updating their practices on unit pricing. We'd like to see them act as soon as possible on this. It's definitely really, really great news and a big win for us here at Witch. Although we should say that when we put this to Jed Footer, he wanted to stress supermarkets aren't intentionally trying to confuse customers. No retailer is going out there to confuse a customer. That's not what they are trying to do. So when it comes down to unit pricing, that's how the systems are set up in each individual retailer. And all the retailers have different systems that are set up. So if there are frustrations, it's not because the retailers are out there trying to confuse their customers. Any retailer that's trying to confuse their customers will lose a customer. And why would you do that? Now, to finish, Ellie, it'd be great if we could get into the support supermarkets are offering with rising prices. You know, it seems especially relevant given we're in the middle of the school summer holidays. 
Yeah, so there are some positive steps being taken. We obviously discussed earlier about Morrisons and Tesco introducing cheaper items to their convenience stores. In terms of the summer holidays, if you are taking the brave step of taking your children to the supermarket with you and you happen to go at a mealtime, Morrisons and Sainsbury's are doing a kids eat free offer in their cafes as long as the grown up buys a meal. Tesco is doing a similar thing on weekdays if you have a club card, whereas Asda is doing soup and a roll for a pound for the over 60s. So, you know, there are things to help you out if you need to eat while you're on the go. You've probably also seen stuff in the press recently about supermarkets dropping prices on selected products. There's been lots about milk prices being cut. These are positive steps, although you have to bear in mind they're on a few products out of thousands. And obviously, as we've discussed with the inflation figures, prices are generally rising at a pretty steep rate. But yeah, nearly every supermarket has either lowered or at least frozen some prices. So it does seem like they're sort of at least trying to give the impression of competition hotting up a little bit. But yeah, unfortunately, on the whole, prices are still rising and that's not going to change anytime soon. A huge thank you to Ellie for coming on the show today and to Ellie Simmons and Jed Futter and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch our new episodes as soon as they drop. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was written by me, Lucia Ariano, produced by myself and Rob Lilly, edited by Eric Breer, with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins. Hi there, Harry from Witch here. Our research has found that millions of families are skipping meals to survive the cost of living crisis. And our figures show that over 8 in 10 people in the UK are having to make adjustments to save money on food. With the price of essential products soaring, we believe that supermarkets have to step up to the plate to help us all. That's why we've launched the Affordable Food for All campaign, calling on the big supermarkets to take action and make a real difference to communities across the UK. If you agree and would like to join our campaign, then sign our petition at witch.co.uk slash affordable dash food and use the hashtag affordable food for all on social media. Thank you. <laughs>